you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the NFL podcast is really popular in The Hague. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, or, well, some heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Uh, no Greg Rosenthal, attending to some personal business today. Uh, he will be back hopefully this weekend. We hope. We must soldier on. And uh, this show, by the way, is for the first time on Periscope, our first Thursday preview show. So uh, if you want to, um, uh, well, you're either listening or watching or not right now, but we're going to hope to hope to do this throughout the postseason, get the Periscope um, ship rolling along, and you know, away we go. Perfect timing, right in time for week 17. Uh, here comes the Thursday <laughs> show on Periscope. And I like that you paired ship with Periscope, like down Periscope or up Periscope. Absolutely on purpose, Chris Wessling. This is the first uh, Thursday night show this season that didn't start with a recap of Thursday night football because we have all 16 teams playing on Sunday in week uh, 17 as uh, per tradition of the league. What are you going to do with your Thursday night off, Wes? A little Casablanca on VHS, a little boxed wine? <laughs> I don't do boxed wine. It's oh. too good for me. But Casablanca <laughs> always sounds like a great Thursday night. Yeah, I might do that. Hubba hubba. Thank you. Gilda? I haven't watched that in a while. That's a good old classic. How old are you, Wes? Gilda. 42, but I appreciate well-done things. Uh, you know what? You're a good man, Wes. Uh, Greg is not with us, but one thing I will say, I'm just going to be honest. You know, right. sometimes... It's important to be honest as opposed to just, oh, let me say what people want me to say, and then maybe they'll like me. I'm just going to be honest. Not having Greg here, I'm going to miss him in the show. He has great uh, insight. He's a friend. But my cup of water, um, I'll call him Cletus, mm. uh, <laughs> has its own little spot. So if I'm thirsty, reach over. Don't have to worry about Greg's elbows. <sighs> Take a sip. Put Cletus right back down. Kind of like Cletus there. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, the perhaps the commentary suffers uh, without Greg on the show, but 
the cup and the cup holder and the space to put the cup may be the usefulness factor a little bit higher than Greg. Greg has some competition. Uh, Greg uh, getting banged in a big spot here. So, yes, we have a bunch of games to get to. Very exciting. And not all of the games have uh, ties to uh, relevance. I'll put it that way. To say the least. At this at this stage. Uh, but we will uh, talk about one huge, huge question facing each or uh, one of those teams involved in that, you know, essentially meaningless game. So even the games that don't matter, folks, you're going to get a nice little preview. Sounds good, right? That's how we do it. We spin forward because we're asked to. <laughs> All right, and let's start. Let's start with a meaningful game. In fact, the one that everyone's excited for, so excited that the, the league suits uh, made the decision that this was going to be the game that gets flexed to Sunday night in front of Al, Chris, Michelle Tafoya, and the world. Yes, I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers, 9-6, and six, traveling to Ford Field to face the 9-6 and six Detroit Lions, oh my goodness, what a game. Uh, what else has to be said here, Mark Sessler? The Packers on a five-game winning streak that, uh, after being left for dead at 4-6. and six, The Lions were 9-4. and four. Now they're 9-6. and six. Uh, Your thoughts? NFC well, North on the line. It is on the line. And, you know, if you've been listening to both our preview shows and our review shows over the last month plus, I think we saw this game on the horizon as the game that would decide this division and almost uniformly, I would imagine, have picked the Packers. Much to the dis- I mean, Lions fans have a, uh, a right to be irritated slash agitated with, with us as a group because we've not believed in them much this season, but I don't believe in them in this game. I think Green Bay is the team, not only that Detroit doesn't want to deal with this weekend, but really any team in the NFC would not want to deal with in January. They are white hot at the moment. I don't understand how they can be slowed, whether it's in Lambeau Field or in this case in Detroit. I appreciate the nature of fandom. It's fanatical, but if you take a closer look at this Lions team, they've been a house of cards all year. They have built their record on close wins against mediocre opponents, and they've been losing in every one but one of those games that they won. Mm-hmm. And they also are facing now a Packers team that's just flat out better than them and playing at a much higher level. And Matthew Stafford in the last nine games has one 300-yard performance and has one or zero touchdowns in seven of them. This is not a dynamic, explosive offense that we were led to believe. Now, you know you know, I love that Cooter. I love Jim Bob Cooter. Sure. Uh, he's had a, a nice run since taking over. But sometimes a narrative swallows up the reality a little bit, and the Lions have been a little touch-and-go on offense for a lot of the season, as you just said, Wes. And their defense, we actually did show them quite a bit of respect, said so they were holding opponents under 20, and then they'd go out – and allow the most points to the Dallas Cowboys all year in a game the Cowboys didn't even need. And they have a gimpy Darius Slay going into hosting Green Bay, but against two of the hottest receivers in the league, and Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and definitely the hottest quarterback in the league. I mean, Rodgers, 14 touchdowns, zero picks over his last six games. We've seen this from Aaron Rodgers before, and it hasn't always translated to playoff success. They've been bounced you know, ridiculously from January year after year. I put year. a lot of that on Dom Capers, to be honest. Sure, it's like not. They've had some meltdowns defensively. It's not on Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, we, when it in the regular season, when he hits this kind of fever pitch, he's utterly deadly. And I, I Green Bay is the kind of team that if they were to go in and put up 30-something points in this game, how does Detroit keep up? Well, here's the thing. You could point to some of the Packers' 
struggles in January in the recent years. Also, you could point to the year they won the, the Super Bowl when they got hot in December and just carried straight through. Is this that type of year? And I, I want to be fair to the Lions because you still have the advantage, and it's a big advantage to me, of being in your building in prime time. I really think that on some level levels the playing field. I think this I think this is a one-score game. I, I feel confident about the Packers. Whoa. I feel really confident. Well, this is the biggest spot possible. I feel so confident Uh-oh. about the Packers. I'm going <laughs> to ho lock it up. Lock it up, lock it up. Because uh, they're just the better team. So I, I think it's a close game in terms of, you know, seven to ten points. But I think the Packers have taken this one. You know what? One good lock deserves another. I'm locking it up. Oh, two. I mean, by the, the way. the Packers. Sid, has that ever happened? Two locks. I don't think so. Is it allowed? Uh, send it to the lock board. I mean, Lockboard th- says it counts. This feels dangerously unoriginal, but I'm also locking it up. Yes! Oh. We've got a triple banger. We got a triple lock. The entire city of Detroit quakes with anger. Well, we will never be allowed, probably even in the state of Michigan, which is fine. This is gonna. This is gonna get back to the Lions locker room. Oh, Am yeah. I getting a little too high on myself here as the group? Uh, yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I'm not sure this is the motivation they need. I'm, they'll never hear about this. It's no like, summer trips to Mackinac Island? No, no. Ann Arbor? It's like, not hey, guys, did you hear about those three average whites that picked against us? <laughs> They're like, yeah! Ah, screw those guys! Please. Um, all right. So we all got the Packers in this game, but it will be a fun game to watch. And I really you, – are you guys in agreement with me that this could be a close game, or do you think the Packers are going to roll? I, my sense is the Packers are going to roll. I think they can keep it close if Matthew Stafford gets really hot, and they have some weapons to do it. Golden Tate has been playing great the second half of the season. I want to see where Marvin Jones is because he averaged 130 yards in the first month, and he's only top 70 yards once since He has then. not been I, right physically for weeks now. I think it matters to this organization that they have a chance to, even if if they lose, if the Redskins lose, you can still back into the wild card with a loss, but – they have not won the division in over 20 years. This matters to the Lions, so I agree that it's going to be a tight, fun game. That's been the DNA for the Lions all year, no matter who they face. As any, uh, as a fan of a tortured franchise, the Jets, I root for teams that are also tortured. Sure. The Lions being one of them, but I will say, and we're going to talk about the Redskins in a second, I kind of like the winner-go-home angle of Sunday Night Football. Uh, the winner-go-home. Win or go. Oh, I was going to say, if you win, you're out. You're done. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how it plays out. But brings us to our second game we're going to talk about here. The New York Giants, 10-5 and five now. Um, they, speaking of backing into the playoffs, they lost uh, last week, but then uh, clinched a spot uh, when some things broke their way on Christmas Eve. Uh, and they will now face the Washington Redskins in uh, Landover. The Redskins, 8-6. and six, And uh, I wish we had... Uh, the the tabulator to my right. Oh yeah. Um, it's uh, let's let's throw it over to Cletus. Cletus. Cletus the cup. Does he have? Let's look at the tabulation machine. No. Okay, he's not saying anything. But can someone tell me what what the Redskins need to go to the playoffs? They need to beat the Giants, and they need the Packers and Lions game to not end in a tie. There you go. So very possible. It's it's right in front of if if all of if we just triple locked the Packers. Uh, uh, to win the giant, the Redskins seem to be Mark in a pretty good spot here because the Giants don't have a ton to play for. They're I don't know if they're locked into a spot, but they are not fighting for a playoff spot themselves. Yeah, we haven't heard definitive whispers about who would sit or not sit for the they Giants. They insist they're playing. 
And I and I think that they probably will because if you're the New York Giants, they're locked into the five seed. They're locked in, but I, I think you want to see – got to work on aspects of your team, especially on offense if you're New York, so you don't want to just give people an extra week off necessarily. I think for me it depends what Redskins team do we get and what kind of Jordan Reed do we get. He has been practicing this week, but their offense has not been the same without him. A healthy Jordan Reed would mean a lot for Kirk Cousins. Uh, that's the question to me. That's been the linchpin for them. Redskins have to jump on the Giants early and make them quit, make them realize that they have nothing to play for in a game, Dan, that is not meaningless, but really doesn't matter for the Giants' playoff hopes. So I I think the Redskins jump out early, and the Giants, are the Redskins really that afraid of their offense anyway? No. They shouldn't be. I mean, Eli, over the last five weeks on throws 15 yards or more, has a 22 completion rate and 17.1 passer rating. It's almost incredible how bad that is. I love that you, in in your uh, MVP top 10 ranking for who might win MVP, that you included Odell Beckham's name in there because he's been incredibly valuable. The amount of you know targets that are going in his direction are incredible over the last couple of weeks. I, I, have to, I have not read that yet, but I imagine there's a couple Eli Manning digs within that blurb. Yes or no, Wes? Well, there's... Pointing out the same thing I've been pointing it's, out for two months, that he can't throw beyond 15 just, yards. You, you found a way to, to bang Eli in a top 10 MVP debate. I'm, I'm proud of you. It's, well, I'm the, considering that I'm the only human being in the national media who's willing to say a bad word about a bad player this oh, year. Oh, please. Eli Manning <laughs> oh, please. has been throwing the ball at the feet of his wide receivers on passes over 15 yards for two and a half months, and nobody will talk about you it. You will kiss his feet on the first week of February when he's hoisting his third Lombardi, baby. Is he going to learn to throw left-handed? Maybe. By the way, Des Bryant threw a little, you know, take a trip over to the end around. Des Bryant threw that little touchdown pass. Sure. The only lefty touchdown pass you're going to see all season, because there's no lefty quarterbacks in the league right now. On any depth chart, the only the only hmm. active, only chance we had was Kellen, uh, the, uh, Kellen Moore in Dallas, IR, everyone else. He's the only like, one left, huh? Boomer Esiason sheds a tear for the state of left-handed Tim quarterbacks. Tim Tebow, Michael Vick, swept out of the Jared league. Lorenzen. Lorenzen banged in a big spot. Uh, one thing, if I'm a giant, before we move on, if I'm Ben McAdoo, which makes me a bit of a goober, I'm not even playing Odell Beckham because I don't want him to uh, drop like a macho man elbow drop on Josh Norman in a fit of frustration and get suspended next week. So well, and if, that, if that doesn't – Keep him if, out of the mix. If he's not in the lineup, I think we know which way this game goes. Okay, let's move on. Uh, talk about the Houston Texans who uh, locked up the AFC South – uh, with a win over the Bengals on Christmas Eve uh, night. And now they travel to Tennessee to face the Titans. This almost had um, the makings of an excellent Week 17 showdown. But then uh, the Tennessee laid an egg last week, and then Marcus Mariota broke his leg on top of it. So that ended basically their season. Uh, so why don't we, Chris Wessling, uh, ask uh, one huge question about one of these teams? Here's the huge question I have. Mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota now, two years in a row, ends the season on IR with a leg injury. Do we consider him brittle? Is he a durability concern? Do the Titans have to make it a major priority to go out and get a veteran backup who can actually move the offense better than Matt Castle next season? That's a huge question. Okay. Ooh, I like that touch. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, and I know you may not like that answer. It's not definitive enough, but I don't think that we can call him brittle yet because we just talked about a guy like Matthew Stafford, 
And when we first started working here, Dan, it seemed like every year we were writing about Matthew Stafford breaking this bone or that bone or missing 12 games. It was like, can Matthew Stafford get through a season? And you, you look down the road and it wasn't really a legitimate concern. Do they need to get a, a decent backup? Yes, because of this exact situation that they find themselves in now. And we killed the Cowboys a year ago for not having quarterback depth. And when they addressed that position, look what happened to the Dallas Cowboys. So I absolutely think it has to be, along with some weapons for Marcus Mariota, a primary need for the Titans to get another quarterback. I think that, first of all, you brought up Matthew Stafford. I almost feel like Stafford's the exception to the rule. The guy that was banged up constantly his first two years and then became an Iron Man. Usually... Mm. If you're a banged-up guy, that's just part of your football DNA. Uh, but I would say there's enough evidence where it should be you should be one of those teams that has a trustworthy backup where your season's not over if this guy's going to miss three weeks or six weeks or eight weeks. Didn't somebody slap the China doll label on Matthew Stafford? I seem he, to remember that. I mean, he could not stay. I felt like he was dislocating his shoulder every four weeks. Yeah. yeah. For, a, for a while there. Uh, their current depth chart at quarterback – Matt Castle, as we know, Alex Tanney. So Matt it's, Castle, by the way, I watched last week's game. He yeah. is right now the Oakland Raiders version of Matt Schaub. <laughs> he has to put his entire body into every throw, even a 10-yard out. Well, it, yeah, not That's to belabor not- the point, but don't you think that when you're a young quarterback coming in from college that somebody – Marcus Mirando is not a monstrous physical specimen, that you need a couple years to get your body into NFL – conditioning level at quarterback. And these guys come in in a lot of different kind of height, height, weight, frame scenarios. Um, All right. Let's move on and talk about the Carolina Panthers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another game where there is not anything riding on the game. A couple of news notes. Uh, First of all, Steve Smith uh, strongly um, uh, considering this, making this his final game. I think he almost said those exact words. He said this is it, right? 89% chance he's going to retire. 89%. Did he say that really? Yes. Oh, Steve. Uh, so, I don't know, Mark, you don't exactly buy in, do you, that he's definitely heading out the door? Well, from this I'm angle, with you, I, I think he's still an incredibly valuable player. And, it, you know, I, a lot of times you hear these players at the end of the year when there's physical toil, there's exhaustion, where maybe you're not ready to think about another season – He's toyed with this. Now, last year, he may have retired had he not been injured, and that's what we discussed downstairs. So I just feel like we've, he's someone that could be maybe pulled out of a potential retirement if someone says, listen, you're so valuable. We're going to use you. You're going to have another successful year. I think I go back to a, a baseball parallel, Mariano Rivera, who had even a better career than Steve Smith, but both kind of Hall of Fame type guys. His last season, he was shagging fly balls in center field during batting practice, as was uh, his, his, the tradition he had, and he blew out his ACL uh, crashing into a wall and then made the same decision. I'm not going out on an injury. I'm going to come back. He had another all-star year and then went away. And I don't think that Steve Smith has been a Pro Bowl guy this year, but he's been useful and is making plays, made plays last week. And this feels like a good time to step away. Don't Don't have the bad, depressing year. You had the good year that – kind of hinted towards depressing times to get out now. This is it. This is it. He's going to go out at the perfect time. He's going to leave people wanting more because he was just good enough. And he conquered. He he did not allow the injury to take him out of the league. He went out on his own terms. I think this is the perfect way to step. All I would say is if if it is such a sure thing, why are you toying around with percentages like 89%? Why not just say 100%? It's what he does. It's his persona. A couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember this, he was injured and said he had an 89% chance to play. It's just it's Steve Smith's little mm-hmm. bit. It's a bit. It's a bit, okay. Not all the bits land. Like he came out. Uh, How's our cup bit doing? 
Uh, it's languishing. Yeah. <laughs> it's Cletus. Um, he had a bit where he came out to a couple of press conferences this year in an elf costume, and then some people on the desk were like, oh, Dan, you going to write about this? I'm like, oh, no. It's not, it's not his best <laughs> bit. I can't, yeah, I can't, I'm not just going to write about it because the guy came out in an elf costume. Anyway, Good one, news, other, one other bit of news uh, involving these teams, Doug Martin, there seemed to be something up when he was uh, a healthy scratch in week 16. We now know what was up. Doug Martin. Can I just point out one thing? Yes. Steve Smith plays for the Ravens now, not the Panthers. We can bring this back around, though, because Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera did hint at the idea yes, that he wouldn't that, have a problem with Steve Smith coming back and retiring as a Panther. Do you want to ask your original Dave Gettleman question? Yes, that is why, by the way, I brought it up, because I knew that nugget. But um, a longtime star of the Panthers, sure. Smith. Identified you know, but, eternally as a yes, Panther, I think. Thank you for uh, reminding me, Wes. Doug Martin has been suspended four games. Uh, he's on the Bucks, right? That is correct. Okay, good. For uh, now. Uh, suspended four games for violating the NFL's drug policy. Uh, the Bucks running back announced the suspension in a statement. Jason Lick, the team GM, also liked, liked also – uh, released a statement uh, supporting Martin, and it ju- uh, just caps, and we hope the guy is able to get right um, physically, mentally, all that, uh, but it caps such a disappointing season for a guy that's having, Wes, a very strange career. Yeah, he is very up and down, uh, and you wonder what this means for his future in Tampa Bay. His contract is not guaranteed for this suspension it actually removes the guarantees from his contract wow and this is a team that really went with Doug Martin this year when he played they were a winning team when he set they were overwhelmed so I think it's a very important question they have to face about their future a year ago at this time we were calling him half of the NFC's best backfield combination and he was he was the best running back in the league last year and you are right Wes you've said this over and over that running back is a year-to-year proposition and Doug Martin would be the face of that that uh, theory all right let's uh, move on and talk about uh, the Baltimore Ravens and see you know what I did I put Steve Smith's name uh, just a little higher on the rotation you're a a surging broadcaster do you know what you need uh, a mistake happened what an assistant that's what I need. I need a personal assist. <laughs> that makes sense. That. I mean, we all could use one, right? You need a Danette. <laughs> I need a Danette. <laughs> so, yeah, the Ravens uh, now travel to Cincinnati, finished their season against the Bengals, and, and Baltimore, they, they lost in crushing fashion in Week 16, came so close to pushing this thing uh, to Week 17, but alas, uh, it doesn't matter what happens in Week 17 for either team. So, Mark, why don't you ask a huge question? Well, I don't know if this would qualify as huge, but I look at the Baltimore Ravens as a team that has so much to be hopeful about going into next season that the way they – look, at they lost the Steelers game. Is this a game. question? It is a question. Okay. I, I just wonder. They've got a lot of talent all over the place, but we're heading into draft season. If you're Ozzie Newsome, what is the number one position that you need to address to get the Ravens over the hump in the AFC North and back to the Super Bowl? That question's huge. It might be. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna promise that it's. That's you know, sizable. Well, Steve Smith's retiring. You drafted Brashad Perryman. If you have faith that he's going to be Steve Smith's successor, fill those shoes. Then you go to the other side of the ball, and you get an a, you get a talented edge rusher, because Terrell Suggs and Elvis Dumerville, both in their mid 30s, long in the tooth, and you want to be prepared for when they do walk away. I would say you need an edge rusher. Good answer. Um, I think they could use another playmaker. Uh, Steve Smith. 
Uh, he's on the Ravens, correct? That he, that is correct. For one more game. Yes, he he's had a nice season, but it's a little bit of a, a telling thing that he is such an important part of the offense. And Dennis Pitta, who's had a nice year, but you're asking a lot for a guy that has you know plastic hips, and, and you've got nice things out of Mike Wallace this year. But how about? And I know Bernard Perriman is supposed to be this guy. Brashad. Brashad Perriman is supposed to be having a tough day. Uh, there's got to be somebody else, I think. We're missing a piece, I feel like, whether it's in the backfield it's or Joe on, Flacco. The, on the outside. Mm. He's you, had a bad year. Okay. That's the piece that's missing. So and you don't think you don't have any problems with their playmakers. You think it's a problem with the quarterback position. Brashad Perriman has shown a lot. I think the question with him is, is he at the right spot on the field where Joe Flacco can trust him. And I think that's why Wallace and Smith were still one and two. And Perriman was behind Kamar Aiken, a special teamer. I mean, the one argument for Dan's point, though, would be that you look at Pittsburgh and they continue to add playmaking wide receivers and they've needed them, actually. There are, so. actually, there are multiple arguments for mine, not just one. <laughs> okay. Because it was a, I a only fair want, point. I presented one. Yes. You know, you can, I mean, are we going crazy about what's going on in their backfield? I'm not going to go crazy. Could they use a, a game-changing yeah. running back, potentially? They the could Dallas use, Cowboys got better when they got a, a big-time running back. These yep. are all fair points. They could also use a play caller who's willing to use the backfield. Do you, Touche. Do you think that this offense is broken? <laughs> no, I don't. We we're making that kind well, of Well, the quarterback's a problem and the, and the play callers are a problem. I don't think just because Joe Flacco had a bad year coming off of ACL surgery that right. means he's going to have a bad year again in 2017. He's not a top 10 quarterback. He's He is a franchise quarterback. So, I don't know. To me, he's a lot like Eli Manning. You don't know from year to year what you're going to get. Um, okay, let's move on. The New England Patriots, uh, they are rolling. Uh, usually, Pennsylvania for 12 wins. They might get 14 this year. They're 13-2 and two right now. And they now travel to Miami to face the Dolphins. And uh, this is a nice little matchup. Uh, uh, you have the Pats who are, they do not want to make the mistake they made last year. might have cost them a trip to the Super Bowl by not finishing strong. And I know that's been a major point of emphasis in, in uh, on Patriot Way uh, the, all week. As finish strong, get that number one seed because they're going to be very hard to beat in the playoffs with every home game, all, both those AFC home games at Gillette Stadium. Uh, if they make their way through the playoffs. And on the other side, you have the Dolphins, who continue to win, Mark, and they continue to surprise people. But maybe they didn't – they won last week, but maybe there were some signs, danger signs for a team that's going to the playoffs. The danger sign for me would – you know, it was easy to come away from that game and talk about what Jay Ajayi did to Buffalo's defense. But rewatching that tape, Miami's defense was also just a wide-open – prairie land to run and pass through and and you're not going to get through the playoffs that way and you're not going to take down Tom Brady who right now is three touchdowns away and if he doesn't throw a pick of having the best touchdown to pick interception touchdown interception ratio of any quarterback of our lifetime hashtag slow regression non-regression where are we with that hashtag slight regression regression. I mean I think it's time to take that hashtag and throw it in the sea. <laughs> well, I, I heard it. the jury's still out on science. First of all, science is a powerful thing. Second of all, let's see how he does in the playoffs. Okay. Let's see how he does. I, I watched I entered in this game when I watched it thinking I'm going to respect the Dolphins. They came in and they won a big game when they had to and I walked away quite the opposite. The three of their touchdowns came from some of the most horrendous tackling attempts I've ever seen by the Bills and frankly it should have got Rex fired. Hmm. On Devontae Parker's touchdown, Damian Williams' 44-yard play that set up a touchdown. And then what was the other – the other touchdown was just Kenyon Drake going through their defense. Just terrible. Matt Moore, too, going into halftime, cost them two separate field goals by underthrowing his receivers on four different throws. 
this was a problem. And, and I think the Patriots, on the other hand, maybe the most balanced they've gone in the postseason in a half a decade. They That defense, we keep hearing how the front seven has been revamped throughout the season. All these names. Malcolm Butler's playing as well as he ever has. Devin McCourty's playing as well as he ever has. This defense is balanced. Yeah, forgetting this, every week we get this new number one defense, which is based off, I think, a stat that it ultimately is going to change here where we base it off of yardage. It will that- never change, actually, but... Well, it, I, I would argue that it should because New England's that's the number one scoring defense, and that's that's not a mirage. It, you're not able to put up points on the Patriots. So I, I don't think New England is, uh, you know, you want to be – they've had troubles in Miami. If any team has given Bill Belichick issues, historically it's been the Dolphins, and I don't see that happening this Sunday. I, I agree with you, Wes, that they were fortunate to win that game, but I did, again, find it to be a, a nice spirited performance from the Dolphins that – could have, they could have laid down at several points. The game could have been over. Absolutely. I agree with that. And they yes. fought through it. And I think that shows, again, Adam Gase is having a really nice debut season. Yeah, I agree that with that, This is too. a different Miami team than past year. I mean, the Dolphins have been sneaky, one of the most depressing franchises for a while. So, And we have a couple Dolphins fans scattered throughout our office, and they are rightfully very enthused about what they're seeing. It's a start. They're not there entirely yet, but there's a lot of reasons to look at Adam Gase and say, coach of the year candidate, is he that coach of the year? I don't think so, but he's very he's up at the top, top five. I'm not questioning their coach. I'm not questioning their medal. Right. I'm not questioning their fortitude, testicular fortitude. Mm. Questioning whether they have the talent to beat the Patriots because Matt Moore, frankly, doesn't have the arm. Yeah. Let's uh, move on now. Talk about the Oakland Raiders, 12-3, and three, uh, traveling to Denver to face the Broncos. You would have... Uh, about you know a month ago, six weeks ago, circled this one on the calendar as an amazing Week 17 game. But then Denver, uh, you know, they crapped the bed. Let's be honest, and and not to gloat, but we kind of picked Denver as an eight and eight team this year. Got absolutely destroyed uh, by hundreds upon hundreds of Denver fans when they got out to that four and zero start. But ultimately, this team is exactly what. If you didn't, if you had doubts about the Broncos entering the season, it's it's the same things that came back to get them. Maybe the defense is a little surprising, but it's not that surprising that they would come down to earth after such an amazing season. So this game doesn't mean anything for Denver, um, other than you get a look at Paxton Lynch. Uh, but uh, on the Oakland side. Matt McGloin's the quarterback now. And, what, Wes, what does that mean? Does that mean the Raiders are done? Or is there a way to look at this team and still say this team has a path to the Super Bowl with Matt McGloin behind center? I think it caps their ceiling. I don't I don't expect them to be able to beat a Steelers-Chiefs. I mean, they weren't beating the Chiefs with Derek Carr already or the Patriots with Matt McGloin. They can win in the first round. They can win if they end up facing a Texans or a Dolphins or something like that. But – you know, Matt McGloin is a guy that they compared to a poor man's Jeff Garcia when he was a rookie, undrafted, and was thrust into the lineup uh, when when Terrell Pryor was not what they hoped he would be. So I think there is some talent there, and I think that we've seen in preseason he can make plays. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, the coaching staff has confidence in him. They've talked about, you know, he, he's been around, he knows the system. When you don't, have to, you don't have to contract the playbook for him at all. But Derek Carr is an MVP candidate for good reason because he has an incredible I think I mean he can make any type of throw and that's a defense that is let up points he's had to outscore you know teams in shootouts and he's done it week after week I think it's I wonder where the team is emotionally I really do because I think it was a, such a crushing type of loss it could to go lose either Derek way. Carr. 
I, but I don't think Matt McLoyne, you're not putting Matt Castle in there, for instance. We'll, we'll find out. They can If they can run the ball, yeah, they could be. be. He could be just as bad as Matt Castle. Well, we've seen no, him, He though. can throw the ball. I, he, yeah, I mean, he's – But he could I, throw the ball to the other, the other team. He could be a nightmare as well. We don't know what we're going to get from this guy. We don't have a huge sample size, but I think Matt McLoyne is not – it's not a it's not as desperate as, as, as it could be with some of the backups around the league. And this is a team that still – they can run the football. I think they're going to be able to do that against Denver. That it, their, Denver's run defense of late – has not been the th- not the, been the defense we're, we're used to. I don't think people understand how bad the Broncos run. De- they're ranked 29th in the NFL in run Amazing. defense. Yeah, uh, here's if you're a Raiders fan and you're bummed out and you and you deserve to be uh, after what happened on Christmas Eve. What a, what a crappy gift that was uh, from Santa. But uh, in fact, we have the you know, poor Derek Carr, who, if you check out um, NFL Films, had him wired for sound in that game. We have it up on our site. I did. I wrote an end-around post about it. I mean, you have you get such a good picture of why this guy is a successful quarterback in terms of leadership, why he likes his teammates and he's, his teammates like him, the type of competitor he was, and then just just a crushing moment when he gets that ankle leg caught on, under him and he suffers the uh, the b- broken fibula, and that we have the sound from the exact moment it happened, which is just a wild scene. It's broke. It's broke. It's broke. It's broke. It's broke. It's broke. I mean, he yells it six times in a row. It's so it's a sad, sad scene. And I was if you're a Raiders fan and you want to talk yourself into this team making a, a playoff run, it is this kind of the nobody believes us angle. And if Matt McGloin can play a little bit and you have a, a solid team in Khalil Mack and, and company can raise their game to another level, maybe this becomes some type of rallying cry. But it really it does, to me, also put a cap on, uh, put a ceiling on what is a really frisky team. It's one team that if you were able to retain the bye, that when you have a backup quarterback having to prepare, that extra week of practice, that extra week of preparation could mean a lot. Uh, let us move on. The Kansas City Chiefs um, have a lot to play for. Uh, they travel to San Diego to face the Chargers, Mark Sessler, and uh, the Chiefs are the team that they, they seem to be slowly, it's been a two-year process, earning the respect of a lot of people, including uh, at least me. I can only speak for myself. Uh, but th- they are in a good position here uh, to to set themselves up well here. Yeah, you can speak for me too. I agree. I think I've had a I've, – I've been reluctant to sign up for the Chiefs mainly because of their offense. I mean, it's never their defense. It's not their coaching. And they're a very well-coached team. But it's their ceiling that always concerned me with how far do you expect this Chiefs team to go with the offense they have. But now, and I think that that Christmas night game was such a thunderous effort where you see Travis Kelsey operating as one of the best tight ends in the league and Tyreek Hill doing things in so many different ways. It's the player they've not had. And you look at Alex Smith, and since 2011, only Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have more wins than Alex Smith. And I, I think we all know what Alex Smith is, but in this formula, in this current Chiefs world that they're in, I would not be surprised, A, that they win a playoff game and they could make it tight with anyone in the AFC Championship. I think it's fair to question their ceiling. We have, over the past month or two, as you said, gradually given them more and more respect, pointed out Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey do give them the playmakers we've been asking for yeah. on offense, that their defense is chock full of playmakers, but their ceiling, they got wiped out by the Steelers earlier this year. They lost to the Patriots in the playoffs last year. Those are the two teams that you want to see them beat. Yeah. They're, they're, they should have no problem with a Chargers team that just lost to Cleveland. 
I mean, they lost that that New England loss was to about a touchdown, I think, last last playoffs. There's two different teams. That, that's a long time ago. But I, I, if you ever gave Kansas City home field advantage, which they're not going to get, obviously, I think it's an incredibly tough place to play. So I think they win a playoff game, and then you see from there, strange stuff can happen between now and then. Yeah, I agree. I think they, they good. They're ceiling. They're ceiling. I think they have a higher ceiling. I think they could. I'm starting to talk myself that they could beat the Patriots. Are, are you? They have that type of the skill on both sides of the ball, and the fact that the offense, like we said has these talented playmakers of up, it kind of throws – it's a wild card when you're talking about the Chiefs. I like them. My question for you, though, because you were all in on the Raiders, is oh, it so almost sad. Chiefs by proxy because you're trying to fill another team in there in place of the Raiders? A little, but then that would be once again falling into the trap of not respecting the, the Chiefs, and I'm, I'm trying True. to give them the respect, respect they believe. <laughs> I believe in the Steelers a little bit. I think maybe the AFC playoffs well, should be – a little more exciting. A little of this is you're just auditioning teams to beat the Patriots. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and I'm not alone. There's tens of no, millions you're not. of football fans that feel the same way. I just I'm, happen to be in the minority in this room. I'm waiting for you, like right before the AFC Championship game, when you decide that Alex Smith is the quarterback you want in a shootout with Tom Brady. <laughs> I'll talk myself into it. Uh, one more note about this game. Melvin Gordon, who has a hip and a hip sprain and a knee sprain and has no business playing in a game that means nothing. Uh, and yet, and as if he's plugged into the, the drama behind the scenes and uh, of the Around the NFL podcast, he really wants to get those last three yards to get to 1,000 for whatever reason. Averaging exactly 60 yards a game means a lot to Melvin Gordon over a 16-game uh, uh, spread. So he's practiced the last two days, and we know. Chris Wessling, if he reaches 1,000 yards, we made a promise. I don't know if we said we definitely would, but to at least open up the discussion that Spice Rack, your desert consigliere, uh, who gave an unhinged performance in his previous uh, spot on the Let's show. Let's be frank, all of his spots on the show. <laughs> but we said if Melvin Gordon rushed for 1,000 yards or scores 20 touchdowns, he could come back on the show, and it's coming right down to the gun. I think he could be a game-time decision. Well, Spice Rack is connected. Oh, my God. I didn't think of it. He has tentacles. He has the long arm of Spice Rack. You know, he's he can be a convincing guy. He's kind of plugged in. Who knows if he's had connections to Melvin Gordon. Just get him like, all right, Melvin, you got to play. you got to reach 1,000 yards. You're talking Very possible. Desert connections? I wouldn't go that far. I'm just saying Spice Rack does know some people around the league. I mean, Dan, if we've already – uh, this podcast has already served as motivation for the Detroit Lions organization. Yeah. Undoubtedly, they're listening to this. That's an, in you know we're we're prodding them negatively. Would this be? I mean, do you doubt that Melvin Gordon is completely plugged in on the fact that that hit him rushing for three yards would get spice rack, uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, a totally unhinged uh, broadcast type back on the show. Wouldn't this be on our 501st show? Be the ultimate honor would be to find out that he wasn't pushing to get back on the field for 1,000 yards. It was because he really liked Spice Rack on our podcast. It would be an, it would be a bizarre honor, but I would yeah, it would we would accept that. All right. Hey Mark, you like money? Yes, I do. You want some more? Please. Well, sign up for Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands, for all your economics needs throughout the globe. And that includes uh, the Hague, the Netherlands, where his class is based. It it just dawned on me that I should have signed up for Mr. Flame's class. I could use a lot of help in this area. So if you need help, you go to Mr. F, and he'll give you help. We, I mean, we are. Mr. F. 
We are ignoring the fact that it would cost thousands of dollars to fly from here to The Hague to sign up for a high school class. The Hague, the Netherlands? Yes, The Hague, the Netherlands. Thousands of dollars to get there. and then Are we what even are the... allowed to sign up for a high school class? Well, I mean, do you even have a visa? Do you have any sort of passport? I mean, there's a, it's not as simple as we make it sound. Do you have any flying restrictions, Wes? Not that I believe. Okay. <laughs> www.flameclass.com Mr. F. <laughs> All right, Chris Wessling, the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what a season it's been in Big D. Uh, and they have everything locked up. But as we just saw on Monday night, they don't care if everything's locked up. They're going to whip your ass anyway if they don't like you. And now they get the Philadelphia Eagles, an old rival. I don't know who to believe when it comes to how the Dallas Cowboys are approaching this game. Jerry Jones is talking about Ezekiel Elliott is going to play and play a lot. And if he's approaching Eric Dickerson's rookie rec- rookie rushing record, we might just let him get it. And meanwhile, Jason Garrett has Mark Sanchez and Darren McFadden taking most of the first team reps in practice leading up to this game. I think we're going to see about one quarter of the Cowboys starters, and then we're going to turn it over to the backups. And Mark Sanchez – not Tony Romo will be the quarterback. I I uh, I don't have a problem with that decision. I the what problem. Does, what does it mean? Though? Does that just mean they don't want any controversy whatsoever? I, I think that's Tony exactly Romo? what it means. You are <laughs> you have a chance to be it's the first. Kind of, it's getting a little ridiculous. It feels that's a little it? ridiculous. I I kind of disagree because it's the first time in in franchise history that you can cap fourteen win regular season. There've been some great Cowboys teams. Why? mess with anything as long as I think behind the scenes if this isn't causing major issues with Tony Romo that you put him in and all you're doing is asking finally these pregame shows finally some of these you know loudmouths have quieted down about should Tony ah. be in or not be in and why do we want to reopen that because can of you worms? don't have to be so plugged into what Skip Bayless is saying and if you really want to go 14 and 2 you don't put in the worst quarterback which is Mark Sanchez Tony Romo if you really if, if we weren't playing this so absurdly safe, you would be saying to yourself, well, Dak Prescott, obviously the starter. He's had an all-pro season, uh, Pro Bowl season. Uh, But Tony Romo has not taken a single snap all season in case Dak gets hurt. Let's get him ready. Let's get Tony in there and get knock off some rust in this game that doesn't mean it. If this wasn't such a farce, Tony would be flying. Let me come at you. overthinking it. Let me come at you from another angle that maybe it looks a little bit disrespectful to have Tony Romo mopping up in a meaningless Week 17 game. I can buy that. Maybe keep him out of the fray. Now, you have him come in in a playoff game. That's a whole different thing. He can save the day. I. It's a little bit strange to have this your logic franchise is on fire quarterback today, in there mopping up in Week 17. Between this and your Matthew Stafford example for Marcus Mariota, you are on fire. I agree with you. I think that is that – Should I excuse be a little- myself so you guys can – you know, give yourself slob, sloppy kisses. You've got a friend over there, and he's made out of paper. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you're playing both sides of the fence. You were no, just I, saying, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that angle. Oh, I think Mark okay. makes an interesting point. I'll Mark, say, I will accept, Mark, I will you're accept, on fire, Mark. I will accept the compliment from both of you. <laughs> Mark, sincere from one of you. You're amazing. Why are you mocking right me? <laughs> I don't know. It, just, right. it just felt a little over the top. You know, I, compliments of Mark there. I don't give out compliments I thought, often. Maybe I yeah. should give them out more often so you wouldn't celebrate them I, when I do. Yeah. I just, you know, I thought it was I a nice was, point, but once well, again, not not the right point. It, well, I, I thought it was right a, point. a perfectly. This isn't around the horn. You're not handing out points for points. It's a perfectly tasteful comment by there. Wes, so I'll take it. <laughs> you get the backup in there. You knock off Rust. Uh, but whatever. 
Mark Sanchez is going to play. Good for Mark. Mark gets to get a ring potentially uh, for doing basically no work. Uh, so that's what's going on. Philadelphia. Talking about Dallas. that Mark or this Mark? <laughs> Whoever. All right. You're on fire, buddy. All right, you know what? This t- this turned into something very awkward now. <laughs> Let's How many on. more games are left on the slate? We got a bunch more. Cleveland, okay. Pittsburgh. Cleveland Browns, they uh, got the win that they needed and and with the help of a 49ers victory, still hold that uh, number one spot. So now there is no discussion about it. And, you know, every game matters if you're in the league and all that stuff. The Browns do not want to win this game. And the good news, Mark, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers won't allow that to happen. Right? Well, I believe this was one of the games where I was going to ask a huge question. Oh, ask a huge question. I will, Good because point. I think we've got a lot of time to unpack the Steelers down the road. This but do you agree? Been- you agree that the Steelers will win the game while we're here? I, you know, honestly, I, I think it's a little bit of a the, – the, the only time Cleveland's had luck against Pittsburgh is in these late-season games when wow, Big Ben has not played for whatever reason. It's happened a couple times – I still think that if most of Den- if Pittsburgh's defense is in there, they're going to win this game. It's in Pittsburgh too, um, so I I mean I picked Pittsburgh officially for our NFL uh, Network show. NFL Pick'em West yeah. on Saturday, three airings, aren't there? Usually, what is it? Eight thirty in the morning, twelve thirty p.m., and then one thirty in the a.m. When you're all sauced up, get a little saucy, get a little crunked up, and then you turn on our show. I think it's a good day too. It's you know typically oh it's Saturday. Let's spend time with family, but I I think that the move is to completely ignore family and to just lock on to NFL Network all day long and catch all three episodes live. Is it? That's what a real football fan would do. Is it the final airing on New Year's Eve at one thirty a.m.? You're flying that night. Yeah, you are. Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's what you if you if you oh should I go to a bar should I pay for overpriced drinks? Should I pay the $150 cover to go to an open bar? No, 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 no. Drink some whiskey and, you know, have some beers and, uh, you know, eat some eat some pizza rolls. And then you watch our show at 1.30. And some pizza rolls. Or should I be an NFL writer and have a full slate of games facing me the following morning on New Year's Day? <laughs> well, we're I, different. Hold on. I, paying yeah. a cover charge is a cry for help. <laughs> Wherever you are is where the fun is. Well, Do not pay money because someone else has the fun. Absolutely, Chris Wessling. How about a huge question for you, A huge question, and it's going to be Browns-oriented because they're about to take a big dirt nap into the offseason. But could these Browns be dim enough, no matter what happens on Sunday, to, all right, well, there is a (laughs) second part to that, to even consider the option of RG3 as their starting quarterback, where that's how they maneuver with that position. Could they possibly be dim enough? You know who said Um, they are? Yeah, that's pretty huge. It is. It's a huge question. (laughs) You know? You know who said that it's a possibility? Joe frickin' Thomas. Joe Thomas said that if things fall a certain way, he could kind of see RG3 as the placeholder. But uh, I don't know if anyone is – we haven't seen anything from RG3. If you're going to be the number one pick, Wes, if you got the number one pick, maybe that's another question. Can I ask a question off that? Sure. about RG3? Okay. (laughs) You take a quarterback no matter what with the first pick. If they go into next season with RG3 and don't draft a quarterback, the kid gloves are off. I'm going to kill them all year next year. <laughs> I'm just going to absolutely murder the, fair, the fair Cleveland warning, Browns. Right. Well, no, I, I would be equally annoyed. RG3 cannot stay healthy for one game in a row. I think they have to know that, but, I, but I, I, I'm not sure because certain people in that organization feel at this point still feel highly about RG3. So On the off chance that he does play more than three quarters in a game, he doesn't read defenses. 
like as Mark said, he he just drifts toward the sidelines waiting for a play to happen. The guy's been in the league for five years and still can't slide. He's a sloganeer masquerading as a quarterback. Go make bumper stickers. I wow. <laughs> I think I think there's a better chance he's out of the league than starter of the Browns next year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think so that, I think that they had to. They they were intrigued to take a chance, but you're going to have you have so many draft picks that you draft a number of quarterbacks in, in, in no one other than Cody Kessler in that quarterback room will be back next season. All right, uh, let's move on. The Buffalo Bills and New York Jets. You know, I said on our Sunday night podcast or Saturday podcast, it was setting up the hot butt bowl. We didn't even get that because Rex didn't make it that far. He was fired, and uh, we're seeing increasing reports out of New York that Todd Bowles' job is. Uh, most likely safe, which I'm happy to hear. Uh, but it does ask to it does lead uh, to a huge question tied into both these AFC East rivals, which is this: which organization is in deeper crap right now? Who's, yep, huge question. Who is? I mean, who's in it deeper right now? The Bills or the Jets? When you spin forward to 2017 and beyond, I would today. I would have to go with the Jets because I think the Jets. What they learned this season is that. Despite their efforts to, I, I think, put a couple of band-aids over the roster and think that you can get out of it with a productive team, that you found out that the rebuilding effort is going to be uh, deep, it's going to be gutting, and the Bills have some issues, but they also have the chance to hire a coach they believe in still, make that change, and I think there's more talent on Buffalo's roster. I agree. I, I, I hate to say it because... The way the Bills have run the last week or two is a little embarrassing. Yes, for that's part of the. Re- I think the. Jets, I I agree with that. The, the Bills have a better roster, but like you're saying, there's a lot of ugly stuff going on in Buffalo right now. Yeah, I don't know how what the staying power is with that, but yeah. when I watch Lashawn McCoy run, looks still looks like a top four or five running back to me. When Sammy Watkins is healthy, you can see the potential there. They have an offensive line that is paving the way for the best running back or the statistically the best running game in football, and there are some pieces on defense, whereas with the Jets, I don't know what they have at quarterback. I don't know what they have at running back. I don't know what they have at wide receiver. On defense, Sheldon Richardson is supposed to be a nucleus player, and he's going to be out the door, it seems like. Wilkerson's coming off the worst season of his career. Revis is done. I I don't know what you look forward to. Sorry, Dan. No, I get it. Mike what McCag- do you think? Well, I think Mike McCagnon, he did something that probably – in retrospect, doesn't work, but it almost did. Instead of he was faced with when he took over the, the franchise, do I completely gut the thing or do I patch it up and and try to rebuild on the fly and also develop talent and through the draft? And he almost got to the playoffs last year, and I'll always think that they could have been a little sneaky uh, in the dangerous in the playoffs last year. It didn't happen. And now they kind of then they misjudge the situation and said, all right, let's try to get a second year out of some of these veterans in place. I don't blame him. And it all, yeah, and it all kind of went to hell. And so now, and I, that's why I think his job should be safe as well. It's like, all right, now we know what we got to do. We need to build this thing from the bottom. We got to get rid of some bad apples. We got to say goodbye to people like Darrell Revis and maybe some tough cuts like Nick Mangold and other people to clear cap room and really build this team from the, from the ground up. And that's going to be a lot of work. That's not, that's not a fun thing for the Jets fan to hear. Uh, but at least you're doing it in the more traditional way rather than the Band-Aid way, which ultimately didn't work. Or blowing it up again, you know, multiple times. I like the idea that they're at least going to say, let's try to stick with this and see where we are. Yeah, and the, and the, as far as the Bills, better better skill player. I mean, Sammy Watkins ever going to really be a player in this league? I hate what they've done with the quarterback position because it felt like they had a potential solution and they're going to let him go out the door. Uh, although, 
there is some intrigue around Tyron Taylor, a report that he now has a quote-unquote serious groin injury, which could lead uh, to that contract not being voidable. Uh, it's going to get tricky. Yes, it is. Are we just, it's an ugly situation up there right now. Are we just parroting what the agent says when he calls it a serious groin injury after we saw him actually play games for the past right. I, and lead, I could not agree with you more. And lead all quarterbacks in rushing. I don't know if – He if, played his best game that I've ever seen last week. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's let's move on to the future and someone else. I don't know. I, just, I feel bad for fans of both franchises, put it that way. Well, it's more good news for the New England Patriots. Exactly. Moving on, the Seattle Seahawks uh, are a team that uh, you're trying to make sense of. They just got beat uh, by the Arizona Cardinals – uh, in their building, and and now they face the San Francisco 49ers, which should be getting the win they need, Chris Wessling, um, to help fortify and get a playoff by and all that. But still, yeah, a little worried about the Seattle Seahawks, aren't you? A little bit. A little bit, but not in this game. You know, you worry. Not this game. They still have that number two seed to play for, and they're going to be playing at the same time slot as the Falcons. And if you look how they approached last year's regular season finale, blew the absolute doors off the Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. came in, and the Cardinals' arrogance were up and down all week. They were playing to win. They were playing to win. He ended up pulling his starters because they were getting their asses kicked so badly by the Seahawks in that game. I think Pete Carroll will have these guys ready to play. The concern is the offensive line that sometimes just matches up so poorly against an opponent's front seven that it just upsets the entire flow of the Seahawks' offense. Halftime of last week's game, Bruce Arians, in typical Arians fashion, tells Pam Oliver – We've been kicking their offensive line's ass for three years. At halftime of a game, he says it. (laughs) Arians is back. I mean, I I couldn't agree more that whatever their issues are won't affect them in Week 17. But this is a team that is tied with the Texans for the lowest amount of touchdowns on the road. If they don't get the number two seed for some reason and they're forced to kind of mine their way through the NFC – as road warriors, I don't like their chances. I could see them ending the same way that the Cardinals did in Carolina last year, getting romped in the NFC Championship. I, they, I, the offensive line is not something that you're going to fix between now and the Super Bowl. So they're going to have to live with that weakness, and that could be a fatal flaw. I think Russell Wilson also, we've been waiting for his health to get back to where it was. Twice last week, they had him running a lot of design runs, first of all. Which- yeah would make you think he's getting healthier. Twice he could not beat linebacker C.O. Moore to the edge in open space. Any other year of his career, he makes that play. Mm-hmm. He's not what he was. And their running game, uh, besides Russell Wilson, is an issue this season. They're tied for 22nd in rushing, 100 yards a game. They were in the top four every year since Russell Wilson came aboard in 2012. So, it just, I mean, between the running game not being there, we don't know about Russell Wilson's health, Earl Thomas being out of the picture – they, they're, they're up against it a little bit. Oh, and, think, and, and the other teams in the NFC, which is we're talking Dallas, obviously, but Atlanta and Green Bay. In the, in the Seahawks, you're, you don't quite have the defense to say we're just going to smother these offenses, and we don't have the offense to, to keep up with them. So I just I don't love the dynamic heading into the playoffs for Seattle. Well, I know we, we respect their mental toughness. Yes. But how much of their mental toughness came from Earl Thomas, Marshawn Lynch, who's no longer there, they still have guys that are great players. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Lynch and Thomas were everything, but you're taking away two players that were part of their championship and, runs. And a good portion of the football cognoscenti was 
booking Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl rematch. Don't forget, it was a long time ago now, it feels like, but the Seahawks went into New England and won a game in prime time. This game this is a proud team with a lot of big time players. Can't count them out entirely, but we'll see what happens. Let's move on. The New Orleans Saints, seven and eight, <laughs> capping a- another. I mean, I feel like they've gone seven and eight, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven for about twenty straight years now. Uh, but now they travel uh, to the Falcons, and and the Falcons, listen, there we go, ten and five. It's in their hands here. Uh, and and Wes, I know you. Uh, wrote about it in your uh, top 10 MVP candidates. You see Matt Ryan, we talked about it on the show on Tuesday. Matt Ryan, uh, how about put the finishing touches on that MVP resume and romp the Saints and get that uh, get that first round by? Yeah, I think Matt Ryan needs it because this MVP race is much closer than it should be. And it's really a much-needed litmus test for the Falcons' defense where they've kept three opponents in a row under 20 points. But those three opponents were Jared Goff's Rams, Colin Kaepernick's 49ers, mm. and Cam Newton's Panthers. And Cam Newton, last six games, is the third worst completion rate by a quarterback since 1991, 45.3%. He's not the Cam Newton of last year. So I don't think you're getting a real test until these Saints come into your building. This is going to be a big game for that defense. I don't love the matchup for the stakes here, having to deal with with, with the Saints and Drew Brees. I, for all the – I think the Saints – ended up in many ways being exactly what we projected, which is a middle-of-the-road team with an electric offense and not enough parts on defense to, 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 to seal the deal. And so, But still, they're the kind of team that could beat anyone any week, and I wouldn't be shocked. I, I'd think that the Falcons, if I want the best playoff scenario that we can get in the NFC, you want to see them get that by and have a chance to go deal with Dallas in the playoffs in the NFC Championship. And they all they have to do is win here. They win this game. If you lose, by the way, it's it's not a great look. I mean, uh, no. It, I don't expect them to, though. I think, like you said, the Saints are frisky, especially at home, but Atlanta's playing real well right now. They, Locked and, in. And, Wes, if you said they, they have been consistent all the way through on offense and they kind of make up for the blemishes on defense, uh, they should. if they don't take care of business, you're right. It's a very bad sign. But we all think they will, right? I believe we do. We do. We do. Too bad we already used our locks. You want to do a triple lock reveal? No, I'm just kidding. With a chance to go 0 and 6 if we get them both wrong. Well, if you repeal a lock, never mind. Doesn't count. Let's move on. Let's ask another huge question. Uh Chris Wessling, the Jaguars and Colts. Uh, Nothing to play for here. The Texans locked up the AFC South last week. Tom Coughlin interviewed with the Jaguars. That's a little news note, uh, and it, it just feels like that's where that this could be heading, that job, but you never know. Uh, how about a huge question, Wes? You know, I was all set to ask about the Colts. I even had it written down on this page. Mm-hmm. But I sense you're done with the Colts, probably because you said last week, I'm done with the Colts. You know what? Enough of it. Yeah, so let's not – You took them literally. I mean, I, I don't – respect that. We've talked about the Colts an awful lot on this podcast for four years. Yeah. I'm done with them for a little while, too. Cool. Cool, go go your seven and eight. Go your seven and nine. Disappoint us again. Whatever. Don't build your offensive line. Don't build your defense. All right. I'm done with you for a while. <laughs> yeah. Jaguars. Look, Jalen Ramsey has been arguably the best cornerback in the NFL in December. Hello. Telvin Smith is a Pro Bowler. Their front seven absolutely demolished a Titans offensive line that's supposed to be one of the best in the league. Do they at least have the defense in place last next year for the new coaching staff to come in and contend? 
I mean, if you can fix the court, is that defense there? Enormous question alert. I, I think absolutely. And we have to look at going into this season how little these guys had played together. That the idea that they were going to gel by the end of September was was a tall order to begin with. And, yeah, I think if you're someone – these guys that interview for these jobs, they're so rare that you'd almost take any job that you get. But if you have your pick, if Jacksonville's attractive for one reason, it's there are so many young players on defense, and you're starting to already see it's, – it's blossomed this season at the end of the year. Not No help to Gus Bradley – You've got issues on offense, but I do think that the defense is extremely attractive for any qualified candidate. I think the defense is just about there. They're showing it. They've gotten better as the season has gone on. If they end up having one of the top three cornerbacks in football, that as as a Jets fan, I remember when Revis was the man, That that is such a huge gift to have to build a defense when you have that guy can lock down half a field. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I will say this, was because I had written a question, too. We worked it out before the show. Mine was also Jaguars. Forget about the Colts. They're done. How about this? If the Jaguars do go ahead and and uh, are you okay with me asking a, a Jags follow? I I welcome it. Yeah, this is a great podcast showing by you today. <laughs> you know, you're, you're on fire yourself, Wes. Um, All right. Uh, if the Jags go ahead and hire an offensive-minded coach, which I think would be a huge upset if they hire a defensive coach after what happened with Gus Bradley, uh, does that guy? Um, go find a new quarterback, or do you take the new offensive coach and try to fix Blake Bortles and still stay on the Blake Bortles train? Mark? Oh, I don't know what to make of last week with Blake Bortles because, you know. Yeah, complicated a little bit. That said, I think what Blake Bortles seems to need, um, if you kind of read what people are saying about Bortles in general, is someone to light a fire under him and make it very clear to Blake Bortles that nothing will be handed to him. That feels feels right. yeah, I mean, Coughlin, you have to ask, is Coughlin going to be a coach that you're going to have in there with a very young team for the next seven or eight years? Certainly not. So it's almost like a bridge to someone else. But they, it's the staff you build around the head coach. There have to be, whether it's offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, whatever you have in there that can communicate with Blake Bortles and wake him up. That last week's game was, was bizarre and fascinating. Doug Marone emptied out his trick playbook and had misdirection and play action going all day. <laughs> and Blake Bortles feasted on that. Blake Bortles played well. Talk about lighting a fire. Somebody lit a fire under Allen Robinson, who hasn't played with that much zeal all year. And he played a phenomenal game. I, I don't. I think the answer to your question, Dan, is you're invested so much in Blake Bortles that you are going, if you're an offensive coach, you are going to try to fix him. You're also going to bring in a better backup just in case it doesn't work yeah. out. Because you cannot have one player sinking your entire season like Blake Bortles did this year. Right. Uh, good job, guys. Let's move on. Ooh, more huge question time. Uh, Mark Cecil, the Chicago Bears. Oh, the team of ATL. The Minnesota Vikings are a part of a huge question segment uh, in Week 17. Very sad. How about a huge question, Mark? Will this be the last game John Fox coaches as a head coach in our lifetime? Or Could that his? question be any huger? I mean, there are larger questions in you know the scope of life. So yes to answer Alex Fregola. It was actually Chandler Bing right there. Yes to answer Chandler Bing. Trampled all over the Fred's thing. Uh, can we hear it one more time? Could that question be any huger? I said, Frags, give me your best Chandler. In a big spot, and what you do, she hit it up. Did a good job. Anyway, you, John Fox, he'll be back. 
team. They make you know they seem to be a little frisky. I like them. They need a better quarterback. This quarterback thing—it's all over the league. Everybody needs a quarterback, but yeah, Matt Barkley. I kind of think the best thing could happen to the Bears in Week 16 was Barkley's four interception implosion in the second half. Lest anyone think he's the answer on any level. Uh, you're going to have what? What are they? Four and eleven? I don't think anybody beyond the fan level thought that Matt Barkley was okay. An answer. So that I mean, if anyone was on the fence in that building, now they're not. I would think. But so now you go out and you and you get a quarterback. And I think John Fox, there's another defensive-minded coach, but I think they're playing hard for him. I think they've, they're, I think he's a pretty good coach. I know he's not that popular in this room uh, in general. We had some fun with the way he was overmatched in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But I think Fox deserves to be back. What do you think? Wes? He never had a chance this year between being stuck with Jay Cutler as your quarterback, which, come on, he's not a real answer, and then the injuries on offense. Just You lose Kevin White. You lose – Part of your offensive line, you lose Alshon Jeffrey to suspension. You lose your running back. You lose your tight end. He never had a chance this year. I think you give him another shot. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I, I think the problem is this year. If you're going to go fire someone, who is it you're going to bring in that, that that's out there that that really excites you and you can market your franchise around? I mean, maybe Josh McDaniels. Yeah, but there's only one Josh McDaniels, and I don't think he's going to go to the Chicago Bears. That's, I mean, if he's got his pick, is it the Bears you go to where you've got all these questions, especially at the quarterback position? Else, is everyone... What if you trade for Eastern Illinois' Jimmy Garoppolo well, and bring him with you? Right. If this is a, It's almost like an, a, any given Sunday final scene where Al Pacino takes Jamie Foxx with him somewhere. I mean, that, that's, that's one kind of option. Nice. Pop culture, rough. Kind of like Scott Pioli yeah, took. Pop is that even pop culture? It's from literally. It's from roughly 17 years ago. So Scott Pioli took Matt Castle with him to Kansas City. I mean, there's some precedent. Yeah. Here. Uh, is there are people? This is a little off topic, but the whole Josh McDaniels thing, or a little too much assumption that he's going to be hit his second time around. I mean, he was kind of a disaster. In I think there's an assumption. There's too maybe he's too young. much of an assumption that he would leave New England. I, I would just say this: that New the, the the role he has in New England is absolutely uh, ideal for him, and he's got a big family, and that sometimes factors in. So he's got to be the right the right thing in terms of his success. I mean, I don't think you go into a team that doesn't have a, a functioning quarterback to start. I don't assume that any play caller slash coordinator will automatically be a great head coach. Totally different jobs. Good at that skill, but I do think that Josh McDaniels is a different human being now than he was when he landed in Denver. He's learned so much, and he's changed in a lot of ways. He talked about that before the Patriots Super Bowl two years ago, that he did want to be a head coach, but that he grew and he learned a lot from that Denver job. These guys have to stop acting like Belichick and be their own men Mm -hmm. when they go out into the coaching world. If I were in the position of being under a hugely successful coach and I became a very hot name like Josh McDaniels is right now, the number one thing I would do, I would never go to a team that had quarterback unrest. That's how I, I would play. Absolutely. I would find the spot where there's an established star quarterback that's not too old, and that's where I'm going. Because but, and even the best, most qualified young coach, if you go to Chicago and you're in quarterback hell, you're going to get fired in two or three years. The problem is that 90% of these vacancies are attached to quarterback hell. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a tough situation. It's a tricky balance. Tr- you know what, Mark? Mark? Yes, Greg. Yes, Dan. Yes, Wes. Mark. It's a tricky balance. Do you think that Mark just made a great point there? This this dude is on fire. I mean, there is a tremendous amount, a disturbing amount of navel gazing going on in this in this episode. This dude's on fire. All right, finally, the Arizona Cardinals uh, travel to the Coliseum to face the 
Rams, uh, two disappointing teams in the NFC West this season. So there's only one thing to do, Chris Wessling. Ask a huge question. You're done with the Colts as of last week. I've been done with the Rams for four years. So this is going to be about the Cardinals. The By the Rams- way, before you go on, is there is there anything more depressing that the Vikings didn't even get the huge question? What a sad end to the season. Uh, it's an appropriate end. It is. It is. Okay, Wes, go ahead. I was going to let Mark answer that question since – the Vikings are his team, you know. Well, yeah. they are. I am. A, I am about four days away from detaching from that <laughs> dynamic. Four days. Huge question on the Cardinals. Huge. Carson Palmer has actually played the best ball of his season over the last month, behind a turnstile offensive line with Michael Floyd out of the picture and not much out of John Brown. Have we seen enough from Palmer? And if we can get Larry Fitzgerald to come back, because he's seen enough out of Palmer. You fix that offensive line, the Cardinals can be right back in the playoffs next year? It's almost too big. Well, it's a huge question. It's a very big question. I mean, hmm. I mean, all you have to do is answer it. I, you wait, have, we, have we seen enough? Have you seen enough, Wes, in your, your tape study in the last couple of weeks from Carson Palmer to wipe out the other 12 weeks where he looked like an old poodle peeing on his leg. I never thought Carson Palmer was washed up. I wonder why that sentiment was out there. His arm is as strong as it ever was. He Not an arm issue. He doesn't move as well as he did last year, but he doesn't move like 2015 Peyton Manning either. Never did I think that Pey- that Carson Palmer was the biggest problem on the Cardinals. I, I mean, we've just gone through a litany of teams that have issues at that position. So my my move would be to automatically say – with the coach that believes so much in Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald, who doesn't want to have some sort of X factor at quarterback. If you want to get him back, it's got to be tied to a guy he trusts. So, yes, you give it one more shot. I think you do. I, I, I think it was such a disappointing season from them. And we, we see people like Tom Brady and assume that all late 30s quarterbacks will sustain themselves. I could also see Carson Palmer completely falling apart. Well, it could be a Brett Favre 2010 type scenario. It could be that situation too, but I think he's, when his ceiling, and we've seen enough of positive things this year, you do bring him back, and maybe it ends up being a mistake, but you feel good about, hey, we wanted to give it one less, one more chance rather than maybe cutting it too soon. I, I think he could. It is time for them to, and I know that they've tried to draft a few quarterbacks here and there, to have a contingency plan because, as Dan said, that, I mean, the, the contingency plan may, may be coming into action in week eight next year. It may not yeah. be 2018. It's interesting because the last two combines, we've been sitting there at the podium listening to Kime and Arians, and they've both mentioned in the last two combines, we need to draft our quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. And they went out and got Logan Thomas, who's a tight end in a quarterback's body, and cut him. And then they didn't draft anybody last year. But they definitely have to this year. Larry Fitzgerald is the heart and soul of that organization. He ain't coming back if Drew Stanton's the quarterback next year. Right. I agree. And I think to the extent that anyone but Tom Brady, he is the heart and soul. Yep. Um, All right. There you go. Week 17 preview. We had our fun. So did Cletus. So did Cletus. There you go. If you're on Periscope, one last look at Cletus before he goes to that big trash can in the sky. (laughs) Uh, or, or the trash can that's right over there on the on floor, the floor yeah. located on the floor. Uh, the next time you hear from us, it will be Sunday night, our final uh, recap uh, in the regular season, which makes sense because it is the final week of the regular season. Uh, and then it is playoff time. Wow. Here we go. So thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you uh, for following along on Periscope. Uh, thank you to Cletus. 
and uh, Greg, come back to us because Cletus is getting comfortable in your spot until Sunday. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, good old Cletus, and new money behind the glass. Till Sunday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.